Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in, so you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. What's... Uh, filling I Jesus I don't know how to open this one uh, I was gonna make like a, a claim about like a joke about cum socks or something for the introduction because it's part my, two of what, our what's, <laughs> what's, what's ejaculating in what's my socks what's ejaculating my cum socks <laughs> Sophie is that a good introduction not your best go not my wait. best oh, that, was that was Jamie I pulled back What's what's squirting my cum socks? Way better. What See, Jamie, my this was the introduction equivalent of that scene in Footloose where the two tractors are racing towards each other, and then like <laughs> one pulls away, and I pulled away. I pulled away in the game of unfortunate cum introduction based uh, chicken, and you did not. Uh, no, I refused to back down, and I think I'm reaping the rewards as we speak. Mm-hmm. So this is Behind the Bastards, the podcast where our introductions are increasingly unhinged and inaccessible to new listeners. Um, This is part two uh, of our two-part episode on Arthur Desmond, author of Might is Right, the book that inspired the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting, and a bunch of other stuff. I don't want to, like, spoil the end, but uh, this is a lot of where the Church of Satan comes from, too. So, what? it's going to be cool. Oh, Just, yeah, baby, yeah! We're how building did we up get some... through the whole first episode without... Okay, okay. Yeah, all right, buckle in. Okay. Strap together, <laughs> belt down. Uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Tape it back okay. on. Tape it back on. Yeah, that's one way to say get it together, right? Throw a wrench at it. Yeah, (laughs) all of those are synonyms for get your shit rolling. Throw a wrench at it. (laughs) All right, 
It's yeah. time for part two. Okay. Might is Right was originally published under the title The Survival of the Fittest. It first existed, as I stated, as a 25-page pamphlet Desmond printed out while he lived in Sydney. It mm-hmm. wasn't until 1896 that the full book was published, and the final edition of Desmond's Life was published in around 1903 under the title Might is Right. right. It's here I should note that not everyone agrees about the purpose behind this book. While most folks seem to accept that Desmond meant everything he wrote, there's a sizable chunk of people who do think that this was a work of satire and that he was actually making fun of the kind of people that you and I find so frustrating. They'll Uh, argue that Desmond was actually a committed socialist to the death and that Might is Right was basically him mocking the extremes of of the politics that he hated. Well, if so, irresponsible satirist. If so, nobody got the joke because everyone takes it seriously. Yeah. But also, looking at Home Dude's life, there's a pretty natural evolution from like labor warrior to guy who just thinks that you should punch each other to determine who gets things. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, that's a very uh, that's a very forgiving interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that it is, and I think the people who consider it satire, I think in part. They just don't want to believe that anyone could take this book seriously, but right. I spent a lot of time on the stupid parts of the internet, and people take way dumber shit seriously. They're like, hey, he's got to be joking. There's no way. I, I mean, I, you do have to appreciate that he went back and he changed the title to something like punchier, mm-hmm. too. Might is right. Yeah, he got notes. Yeah, exactly. They're like, survival of the fittest, you know, it's kind of been done, kind of been said. Uh, I'm going to guess he like rolled down to the gym and was like, did anybody read my book? And there was just like a guy punching it being like, no, I don't read science books. And there was like, but what if it rhymed, right? What if it rhymed? He's a poet. Because he's a poet. And he knows it. He's a shitty poet. I wonder, wonder, does his his, uh, poetry get better or worse, do you think, as he slowly becomes a Nazi? I think Labor Song, the poem that you liked with the kids getting eaten, uh, the children's I think bones. that's, yeah, the children's bones. I think that's his high point as a poet. Okay. Um, Looking forward yeah. to future work. <laughs> I'm about to read another poem. Yes! Well, it's not really a poem. It's just sort of like flowery language. Okay. I'm going to read how the, the book's introduction starts. Ooh. <clears throat> In this arid wilderness of steel and stone, I raise up my voice that you may hear. To the east and to the west I beckon, to the north and to the south I show a sign, proclaiming death to the weakling, wealth to the strong. Open your eyes that you may hear. <laughs> that doesn't make any that sense. That doesn't make any oh, sense. Men of, yeah. O men of mildewed minds, and listen to me, ye laborious millions. For I stand forth to challenge the wisdom of the world, to interrogate the laws of man and of God. Uh. I request reasons for your golden rule, and ask why and wherefore of your ten commands. Before none of your printed idols do I bend in acquiescence, and he who saith thou shalt to me is my mortal foe. I demand proof over all things, and accept with reservations even that which is true. I dip my forefinger into the watery blood of your impotent mad redeemer, your divine Democrat, your Hebrew madman, and right over his thorn-torn no. brow, the true prince of evil, the king of the slaves. No, yeah, he's not. He's real anti-Jesus and also anti-Semitic, yeah, and they are both like, very oh, much just, intertwined. I was like, there it goes, yeah. and he's off. That is, and uh, we are off to the races. That is yeah. bad on so many levels. That was so. He's also You're, obsessed with like. He's like, oh, you thin-blooded. Like, there's just all this weird coded mm. language for emasculation you're like how do you even think of that it's like when you like go on an incel board and like how how would you think to describe something like that you're thinking about it too hard my friend yeah it's um 
that like th- this is the problem i think like uh, back in the day desmond was the only guy thinking like this because he was the only one spending all this time alone in front of a piece of paper writing out his crazy thoughts right um but but now with the internet people like you have whole communities of people who are thinking along the same lines and they just drive because like desmond would have looked at the stuff incels write about how like oh no dude you've got this classification of chin and so you're gonna die alone because your chin's like an a3 and you gotta have an a6 or better chin in order to like get a girl um desmond would have looked at that and been like what the fuck is wrong with you people um but that's you know you can't have that without the internet this is as far know, into man. those territories There's, as you I, got back then. i say you leave him on those boards for a couple weeks he would start to see he would start to see he might, the darkness. He might. You do get that feeling from him that if he'd had the internet, uh, he would have been pretty hardcore Elliot Roger. It does seem um, like every time he has like a lost year or two, he pivots intensely. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect he's spending a lot of alone time in those years. Um, well, which he's is not certainly good for not fucking. That I can say pretty certainly. He is absolutely not fucking. Arthur Desmond did not fuck. And rightfully so. Except he's for his a pillows. loser. Yeah. Sorry. No, we're very glad that he did not fuck much. Yeah, for the better for the betterment of everyone. Now, the anti-Semitism is really stark, like to us, because we come from a somewhat saner time where that's less yeah. common. But in an era where that was more common, you can kind of see how the language and theme would be compelling to a lot of people in an era with a stricter social hierarchy and strong ideas of the place of religion, the family, the social order. This like this is a time like the early 1900s when a lot of philosophies based on tearing it all down are gaining an ascendancy, not just sort of like sure. different strains of anarchism, but like mm-hmm. that's what socialism is about. And that's kind of where like fascism comes from, too. So you can mm-hmm. see where why this would be compelling to a lot of people. Yes. Um yeah. Now, all, all that said, like as much bullshit as they're in there, there are like a pieces lot. of 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 stuff in here that like I find compelling or at least that I think I in an earlier dumber stage of my development, I would have found compelling. Like there's stuff in here that's tailor made to like latch onto the brains of 18 year old kind of narcissistic kids who are like starting to read books um that are like outside of the mainstream yeah the college like, freshman I, it, contingency. and this is this is where we're building exactly there's yeah. stuff in here that's made for that um yeah. and i'm gonna read one of those quotes now that like you can see why you can you can imagine the kind of person that this um this is electric to okay in the nursery at school and at college plastic brain pulp is deliberately forced into the prearranged mold everything that a corrupt civilization can do is done to compress the growing intellect into unnatural channels thus the great mass of men who inhabit the world of today have no initiative, no originality, or independence of thought, but are mere subjective individualities who have never had the slightest voice in fashioning the ideals they formally revere. So that's it's just like, like yeah, it's just like uh, adult. Like your parents uh, yeah. are stupid. Your parents are so mm-hmm. dumb. <laughs> and society's bullshit, man. God, if I have yeah. to, yeah, it sounds Which, like it sounds like yeah. like serious Gen X ideology of like you know your parents who loved you, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Fuck them. Fuck yeah. them. Those Ikea shoppers. Yeah, yeah. And there's, Desmond's a weird writer. Like, there's single lines in here that are actually, like, really good lines, good turns of phrase, and then, like, you know, yo-ho bullshit. Like, it, he's he's weird. Like, it's, <laughs> if he'd had an writer. editor. It, he's a bad writer. He's a bad writer with snatches of, like, really good turns of phrase. Um, so I'm going to read a paragraph that's complete nonsense and then ends on what I consider to be a pretty fun line. Mm. Okay? 
Mankind is a weary, a weary of its sham prophets, its demagogues, and its statesmen. It crieth out for kings and heroes. It demands a nobility, an ability that cannot be hired with money like slaves or beasts of burden. The world awaits the coming of mighty men of valor, great destroyers, destroyers of all that is vile, angels of death. We are sick unto nausea of the good Lord Jesus, terror-stricken under that executive of priest, mob, and proconsul. We are tired to death of equality. Gods are at a discount. Devils are in demand. Fun last line. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, it's, he never had an editor. Um, and so. <laughs> no, he didn't. He's, but, yeah, yeah. But that no, is something, sure in order to have an editor, you do mm-hmm. have to have a friend. And uh, it seems unlikely. He never had a friend. I know. He actually did have an editor, but I don't know what the fucking guy was doing. Oh, um, yikes. Because, because there's a lot of nonsense. And you can see, like, again, where I'm talking about how there's, like, all sorts of shit in here that's, like, proto the stuff that people say online now we're tired to death of equality like that's a major through line in the book of just like the evils of equality um and yeah yeah because yeah well desmond's a big like the the democracy's bullshit um like all of our our societal notions of like the the inherent equality of mankind is bullshit like women's rights are bullshit the only thing that matters is like who can beat up everybody else well yeah Um, it's just that's his philosophy it's frustrating yeah that is like big like college uh college freshman like male college freshman energy where it's like if i only was strong i just need to get stronger i'll fix the world by being very strong and I get, I guess, like the 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 point I'm making with the um, he has odd single lines here that are like catchy. Is that like it's he's a writer whose writing is made to be like have quotes pulled out and tattooed on the arms of guys at the gym. Um, <laughs> like that's 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 the kind of writer he is. Like you can see why individual bits of this would like stick out to people reading it. Um, yeah, which is for the where we're building with crowd. the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what he's good at. Yeah. And he also repeats himself constantly. Every chapter, he repeats every single point that he makes in the entire book, um, which makes it a slog to read. But if you're not good at reading, um, it makes it really easy to get the point driven home to you. Fun. Um, Because you only have to read one chapter of this book to kind of get where it's all going. It's like the secret. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm going to read another quote. Uh, This one could have come from a poorly mimeographed sovereign citizen pamphlet in the mid-1990s. And it's again, like, there's just so much here that seems like directly influenced the modern far right. The free man is born free, lives free, and dies free. He is, even though living in an artificial civilization, above all laws, all constitutions, all theories of right and wrong. He supports and defends them, of course, as long as they suit his own end. But if they don't, then he annihilates them by the easiest and most direct method. And you can't be tried under a flag with a fringe. That means it's a flag of admiralty. There <laughs> Is this was this written in all caps? This sounds like it's so I, he, he he writes like I've go I've gone to a lot of gun shows in my day and there's a lot of poorly like Xeroxed uh pamphlets in them. Like yeah. Arthur Desmond reads like every one of those pamphlets. Oh my god. Like there'll god. be one pull quote on the front and you're like, Okay, what's going on here? And then it's just like fucking nonsense. Yeah, um, just yeah. Everything yeah. he writes just seems like a, a him problem. It just yeah. reeks of a personal issue with something <laughs> that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a bitter, angry guy. Yeah. Um, and and it, that that comes across really fucking clear. In this and he's book. like, and I refuse um, so wh- to work on my personality. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. No, 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 no. He, the world needs to accept his personality, which is that the government should be based on who can punch best. God, so uh, many, yeah, so many guess. people have done, it's like so many men have done damage based on wanting to the world to bend to their shitty personality instead of... Yeah. Oh. Arthur Desmond is like the fucking archetype of that. Cool. Um, although there's also, like, there's an there's an angle of it that's kind of sad, too, because you can see, like, you we, we covered how he started out as this, like, very pro-labor guy who was, like, kind of desperately trying to get the working class to, like, recognize how fucked over it was being by the system they lived under. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's completely abandoned that now. And you can taste the bitterness over that fact in this book. Right. I mean, but that's just like a... That feels just like a lack of commitment to the cause and just being like, I wanted to get all the credit and no one oh, cared. Sure. sure. There were tons tons of people who did not give up and who actually made like significant social strides and stuff. Yeah. Desmond just, like I said, he didn't have patience. Like, you know, when he started his political career, there was a point at which he probably could have made himself a career as a politician, gotten into parliament. But like after the second election didn't quite go his way, he was just like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to write illegal newspapers. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I, I like illegal newspapers. He got I'm involved in the zine community. We can't slide He got involved that. in the zine community. Yeah. Quote, the common people have always had to be befooled with some written or wooden or golden idol, some constitution, declaration, or gospel. Consequently, the majority of them have ever been mental thralls, living and dying in an atmosphere of strong illusion. They are befooled and hypnotized even to this hour, and a large proportion of them must remain so until time is no more. Indeed, the masses of mankind are but the sediment from which all the more valuable elements have been long ago distilled. They are totally incapable of real freedom, and if it were granted to them, they would straightway vote themselves a master, or a thousand masters within 24 hours. Mastership is is right mastership is natural mastership is eternal but only for those who cannot overthrow it and trample it beneath their hooves ah! so yeah that's where he's wound up yeah okay i hate yeah. him i hate him yeah yeah God, he really... uses the word eunuch a lot in this too he's you he's been using the word eunuch a lot the whole time yeah, that he starts using that mainly to refer to Christianity. So like it'll be he'll he'll focus on like like, like it's Hebrew and it's like eunuch and it's like yeah, he thinks it's dickless. It's uh juvenile. that's his number one insult. Yeah. 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 Now, I know what you're wondering, Jamie. I am. Is this book racist as fuck? And yes. <laughs> no. Way. Yeah, it's it, it is absolutely racist as fuck. Okay. Um are all men really brethren? Negro and Indian? Black fellow? Kalmuk? I don't even know what a Kalmuk is. Ugh, and Cooley? The well-born and the base-bred? The beer-soaked loafer and the hero-hearted patriot-belted chieftain and ignoble mechanic slave? Pot of iron and pot of clay? That's a sentence. Like that, That's a fucking... That's a single sentence. He wrote that down, Robert. <laughs> he wrote he that wrote down that and was down. like... People have to shit. read this. People have to know... God. I had to read this. No one else has to read yeah, this. No, please don't read this. There's no need to read it. And then, no. and, and then going. I mean, it's like if you think that that is the content of it, and then you read the marketing for how important he clearly thought yeah. the book was. Yeah, oh, the, no one's ever had sad. these thoughts before. Yeah, he's like, yeah. my cool idea. <laughs> Racism. God, he would have oh, had so many fucking Fight Club posters up in his bedroom, right yeah. next to the pile of socks as stiff as particle board, <laughs> um, petrified <laughs> socks, yeah. and a million snake flags. I just, yeah, yeah. Now, Might is Right is, on balance, extremely repetitive. Uh, Desmond does attempt to cite history and uh, science in his arguments, but he never goes into any meaningful detail because he clearly only has a shallow understanding for anything that he references. Cool. Um, One good example is this line. Uh, 
The big fish eat the little fish. The big trees, by absorbing and monopolizing the nutriment, eat up the little trees. The strong animals eat the weak animals, and so on. And it ad infinitum, which <laughs> is not how forests work. Uh, okay. <laughs> not entirely how fish work, even. Um, mm-hmm. or, or even animals. Like, yeah, it's, it's just... But he says um, it with such all-caps yeah. confidence that you're yeah, like, does yeah. he know something I don't? And then it's like, no, he's gaslighting you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, some of that may just have been honest ignorance about the way forests well, that's work true. back he in the might days. Just be of course, the big stupid. trees are eating the little trees. That's isn't how it, it works. Isn't it crazy how, like, yeah, you're just like, oh, he's gaslighting me. You're like, no, he's not even that smart. He can't even. He's not even that he smart. Even understand. Oh, he just buddy. like looked at a big tree next to a little tree and was like, well, that big one's eating the little one. I gotta write a book about this shit. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a piece of shit. All right. Now, I'm gonna guess it didn't surprise you that he was racist. No. But will it surprise you to learn that he's very pro cannibalism? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's super pro cannibalism. This is the most pro cannibalism book I've read. No, I didn't run into a poem, unfortunately. Not not like figure of speech cannibalism. Like let's No literal like he talks about cannibalism for pages and he never says like it's good to eat people but like he clearly admires cannibalism he clearly and thinks, thinks that it's about like, it a lot like uh, like i just read how racist it is like there's a bunch of lines about how like black and white people clearly aren't like like equal and stuff the one yeah. time he talks about a non-white group of people positively he's talking about new zealand aboriginals and cannibalism um like that's his I... one like wokest passage is being like these guys eat people and that's cool as hell and that's fucking metal you just sounds like sick, a, yo. a misguided like right wing metal music oh god yeah he's a big cannibalism fan um do we and know, he's clearly do huh. we know why he chose to publish this under a, a pseudonym other than it's absolutely full of shit but it doesn't seem like he thinks that so why isn't he willing to put his name on it um, you know, he had a bunch of pseudonyms throughout his life, I think, because okay. he was a criminal. Yeah, he was constantly oh, committing crimes. He yeah, is a criminal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, just curious. Yeah. Yeah. God, so, so, like, again. Cannibalism. Yeah. Cannibalism. Yeah, he describes them as very intelligent New Zealand aboriginals uh, when he talks about, like, their cannibalistic traditions. Because, and that's the only positive reference to a non-white group of people in the book is, well, like... These guys eat people, and that's sick as shit, yo. Yeah, I'm like, this is a very like hot topic analysis, like of mm-hmm. of cannibalism. They're he like, is sounds so fucking on board. cool. They're can't. Yeah, I mean, I it sounds like a terrible book, but at least there's twists. I appreciate he he, he stands cannibalism, stannibalism, stannibalism. God, okay, He's please don't make that, that T-shirt. Shit. Please don't. Oh, make, I am. There. It's already a shirt. <laughs> I refuse. Hmm. Too bad. <laughs> okay. Arthur Desmond's attitude towards women is another area where oh, good. his writing seems virtually identical to angry posts on 4chan or Reddit. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to read a little bit of that now, Jamie. Okay. Hit it. A man's family is his property. It is part of himself. Therefore, his natural business is to defend it as he would his own life. Women and children belong to man who must hunt for them as well as for himself. He is their lord and master in theory and in fact. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I agree with all of that, so I don't really know why you were trying to set me off because I agree with it. I think it's right. Well, let's see how you let's see how you feel about this next part. Yeah. Wh- 
Women are frail beings at the best of times, and in their secret hearts are probably lovers of the unlimited. For the welfare of the breed and the security of descent, they must be held in thorough subjection. Man has captured them, and besides providing for and protecting them, it is necessary to keep them on the chain, as it were. Oh. Woe to him, woe unto them, and woe unto our race, if ever these lovable creatures should break loose from mastership and become rulers or equals of man. But that is impossible, he adds in parentheses. Oh, yeah. I don't... From the early... <laughs> I don't either. He's talking about women like they're mogwais. It's so yeah. ugh, icky. Yeah. From the earliest ages, man has captured his wife by force or stratagem, and to this day he does the same. Marriage ceremonies symbolize his proprietorship, his capture. The marriage ring is one link of a chain, emblematic of the fact that the prehistoric bridegroom chained his beloved one in a cave, so she became tame, tractable, and reciprocative. Ugh. I don't know where he came up with that. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. This is brutal. This is, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would not be wrong to see Ragnar Redbeard as the prototype of the men's rights activist or the incel movement. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect that today he'd be, at the very least, a very successful grifter in that world. Yeah. For example, near the end of the book is this chapter subtitle, Manhood is Demonized, it complains. <laughs> all caps, King! It is actually all caps, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, it's literally all caps, Manhood is Demonized. <sighs> and again, this is like the late 1800s, early 1900s. It is so, so no, but it's also like 2018 yeah. in a way. Yeah, it's very much both of those things. So we're going to talk, Jamie, about how Manhood is Demonized. But yeah. first, you know what's not demonized? Capitalism? Y yeah. Ha! <laughs> Beat you to it. Add plug! Yes! Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. We're back. We're back. We're talking about how manhood is demonized. Yeah. 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 I think that, I mean, isn't it, Robert? Wouldn't you agree? Haven't you been on the boards? It's a pretty hot topic of discussion. I, it's, it's uh, all I can do to, I don't know, what's a stereotypical Man- thing? <laughs> I feel like truly uh, like manhood is demonized in all caps sounds like a Reddit post I saw this week. Yeah. 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 I mean, literally, I've read variants of that exact sentence a thousand times over the last couple of years okay um generally while someone on facebook was trying to sell me like leather goods and axes and shit um, (laughs) because manhood has been very successfully capitalized which there's a funny bit to that here so i'm going to read a quote from that chapter on manhood is demonized sure We're living and dying, mostly dying, in a poisonous environment of deep-seated moral dementia, social disease, and political illusions. The righteous and the just, hypocrites, deceivers, enemies of all that is noble, courageous and manly, destroyers of self-assertiveness, annihilators of heroism. Would that I had a legion of demons to wring neck. A crucified Jew slave, terrorized under authority, is set up as a god, a standard of measurement for all mankind. That is why personal valor and nobility of thought are at such a tremendous discount. Christendom is bondage. Manhood is demonetized. Our race is betrayed. Yeah, I think he was trying to say like demonetized, like made into a demon, but it's spelled demonetized. Which, yeah, <laughs> like he's PewDiePie. Manhood yeah. is demonetized. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, man, you can. It's monetized very well. God, uh, he, ever since. Yeah. yeah, this is okay. So manhood is demonetized. I would. Uh, manhood I would is buy demonetized. I would wear that shirt. I now. What a piece of work. You would. I would yeah. wear that. Yeah. Now. One hundred percent. Yeah. Right. <laughs> now, Jamie, I bet at this point I know what you're wondering. How Is would Arthur single? Desmond? How yes. <laughs> how how would Arthur Desmond scientifically define a female? Oh no. Oh I, yeah, I, yeah. I, you, 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 <laughs> I really did get like a weird feeling in my stomach when you said that. Oh, oh yeah, because f- female. <laughs> They're at- yeah, I mean he. D- yeah, it's gross. Okay, it's gross. okay. A woman is primarily a reproductive cell organism, a womb structurally embastioned by a protective defensive osseous network surrounded with the antennae and blood vessels necessary for supplying nutriment to the growing ovum uh. or embryo. <laughs> That's a woman. It sounds like a fucking creature from the Black Lagoon. What is he? Oh, that's... You're just a womb with bones. <laughs> You're just a meat prison that's supposed to make me a child. Yield me an heir. But he... Mm. <laughs> that is... Oh, what a loser. 
What yeah. a loser. There's, I like, ugh, if he had a counselor or if he had somewhere to express himself. Yeah. Maybe this. But it, he did happened. actually, I think him having a place to express, express himself was the problem. Well, I think that he, he shouldn't, he certainly shouldn't have had a platform, Robert. I think he should. No. Oh my D- God. Hashtag deplatform Arthur Desmond. Did he de- <laughs> demonetize news, him? Demonetize. A stroke did that a while back, thankfully. <laughs> so wait, he said, he said women have antenna. Yeah. Where, yep. did, did he specify where they got them? Cause nope. But you have antenna and blood vessels to supply nutriment to your growing ovum. Oh, so congrats well, on that. I bet you're happy to learn that. My ovum stays growing, so maybe that's <laughs> maybe it's the antenna. <laughs> you got to check those antenna. Yep. So, oh, what a dork! Wow. What a dork! Pathetic. Now, the more you read Might is Right, the more convinced you become that, among other things, Arthur Desmond was the founding father of all incels. And this quote, I think, embodies that more than any other. Strap in. Okay. Sexualism and maternity dominate the lives of all true women. To such an extent is this so that they have very little time left or inclination to think, and therefore they've never been fitted out ab inito with reasoning organs. Probably this is what Muhammad alluded to when he sententiously affirmed that women have no soul. Even in man, the soul is probably a fiction, but in woman, its absence is an absolute certainty. I got stuck on reasoning organism. Reasoning <laughs> organs? Yeah. That's so nasty. I, I, I just love that he's both like such an like atheist bro that he's got to be like nobody has a soul, but also like women for sure don't have souls. <laughs> like, I just, I, it, again, again it, it is like that trend that he has of just like, you're like, oh, this could be something horrible or he might just really not know what he's talking yeah. about. Where he's like, you know, when you're gestating a baby, you really got to focus and give it your full yeah. attention or it's like like you're just sitting on an egg for for nine months you can't move you can't do anything much less use yep. your reasoning organisms or grapple yeah. with your soul because you don't have one. Oh uh, nope. lord well now, jamie yes i'm sorry i was my reasoning no, organ- no. organism is just overextended right now keep reasoning with those organs yeah well i mean i can't or my ovum will stop growing Oh, if see, I, that's the classic that's the classic contradiction of womanhood right there. If I there. flex my reasoning organism too hard, my antenna will stop working and my ovum will shrink. <laughs> Don't you understand? I do now. Now that I've read Might is Right. Yes. And that's the last normal quote from the book we're going to read. No. I do have one last piece of Might is Right to read, and it's a poem. Go for it. No. <laughs> From Sandy Hook to London Tower, from Jaffa to Japan, they can take who have the power, they may keep who can. This is the law of heaven and hell, stupendous and divine, the highest holiest law of all that governs mine and thine. The law it is of sun and star, of president and pope. It is the prisoner at the bar, the gallows and the rope. It is the lawyer and his fee, the shearer and his sheep, the eagle soaring swift and free, the dreadnought on the deep. It is the bond, it is the loan, the prophet and the lost, the usurer on his bullion throne, the idol of the cross. It is the goth, it is the hun, the tyrant and his prey, the flame and saber, club and gun, O taxes that we pay. It is the law of all the climes and all the things to be, and all the bold, tremendous times that you and I shall see. From Sandy Hook to London Tower, from Greenland to Japan, they will take who have the power. 
And I think I cut off the last line. I was about to say, this, that, that's yeah. a very jarring place to end it. Yeah, it, it, it ends with a, the word can, I'm sure. Can, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, no, you don't know. His poetry is so good and deft and <laughs> unpredictable. Where is it going? That sounds like a shitty Black Sabbath song. He like, should have kept writing labor poems about the, kids' bones being crushed. The, that, that was, yeah, because it really... The, that's the, his high point. Yeah. Yeah, when he was... when And that was also like kind of his high point ideologically, too. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. Lo- okay. So, so he's a bad poet again. I am also interested in the arc of his poetry. Yeah, it's really it's a parabola. Yeah. He's bad, but we also know he's a plagiarist. So we may my my yeah. my thing is maybe he didn't yeah. write the one good poem. He just beat some guy up and stole his poem. And so, well, yeah, that's entirely possible. Well, yeah. might is right. So yeah, yeah, good. That is that is how poetry works. He's, God, yep. I mean, the untellable damage that's been done to the world over, like, <laughs> shitty artists that mm-hmm. that just really couldn't get it. It's just like, ugh, just get a that's live part journal. Of what, that's, like, the best argument you can make for, like, the, the fucking, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, the um, universal basic income mm-hmm. is, like, then all the terrible artists in the world can make terrible art and not turn into Hitler. And not yet Hitler. become so deeply politicized, <laughs> or yeah. or George Bush for that matter. Yeah, yeah. If they if they both just lived in small apartments and painted, we'd all be better off. Right. It's like yeah, no one's gonna buy it, mm-hmm. but they're not gonna die. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. If Arthur Desmond had just had a government apartment, he would have kept writing poems. Some of them would have been good. He some of them would have been terrible. He would have published yeah. shitty zines for the rest of his life. And no, I mean, he, this you could argue that might is right this, is kind of a shitty zine. Yeah, but it has way more impact than that. Like it's uh, it's we're we're about to get into how this spread outside of the shitty zine community of the uh, the eighteen nineties and early nineteen uh, hundreds. Okay, but first, let's talk about the rest of Arthur Desmond's life. Okay, now once he made it to the United States, he appears initially and in, like registers in the city uh, uh, of Chicago as a reporter. Um, he also started going by the name Ragnar Redbeard professionally at this point, writing one friend that he had taken on the new name just for luck. After Might is Right was published and started to gain serious prominence as a work of radical politics, Desmond seems to have found himself in possession of a decent amount of funding. He created the Adolf Mueller Company in 1897 for the sole purpose of selling Ragnar Redbeard books and pamphlets. I'm going to guess Adolf Mueller was another one of his aliases. Yeah. Um, now, most of these seem to have just been reprints of pieces of Might is Right. He published The Eagle and the Serpent in 1898, which was just a reprint of Chapter 6. He started publishing a journal, Redbeard's Review, in England. It was mainly <laughs> existed to, like, sell copies of Might is Right, and it ran for around four years. Gross. Desmond also started to claiming to be a PhD at this time, and started signing his work with LLD, the abbreviation for a doctorate of law. One of his biographers looked into this and found it to be an absolute lie. The University <laughs> of Chicago, where he claimed to have gotten his degree, didn't even award its first LLD until a year after Desmond claimed to have received his. Cool. So pathetic. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. And yet another grifter who follows in the pattern of they all wind up pretending to be a doctor at some point. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's almost Billy Wayne territory. I know. I know. And I'm, yeah, it, he's, he, he might leap out in through the poison room at this point to take over. It's okay. But there's I've not a the, lot about the doctor part. <laughs> I bravely take on the incel beat. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Okay. So he's, uh, I mean, we knew he was a liar and a grifter, but. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And we also don't know how old he is. We really don't. 
like not even super close to how old he is to be honest. <laughs> we have a 20 um, year discrepancy. Yeah. I'm seeing like 1859 in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's really hard to tell like different sources like you like one of the difficulties publishing the or putting this together is like everyone who writes about him there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't at all go along with each other and I don't know exactly how everything timed out other than like the publication of his books and stuff. We have right. that set in stone. But like I mean and some of that's just down to the fact that this was like the 1890s nobody was keeping good records back then sure um but also he was a criminal grifter who lied about every aspect of his life so it seems like he might lie about his age about everything we don't even know if arthur desmond was his real name like the reason they're pretty sure he was ragnar redbeard um is just because like the poetry and shit in might is right sounds exactly like arthur desmond's poetry like and that seems compelling to me like just having read a bunch of his poems from earlier in his life and then reading might is right like i'm pretty fucking sure it's the same guy there's definitely a through line through all mm -hmm. of the shitty poetry we've heard today and I, I, I'm also convinced that it's not Jack London who wrote Might is Right, because Jack London, for all of his flaws, was a good fucking writer. He could write a fucking book. Um, yeah. And Might is Right is mostly nonsense. Like, there's a couple p- turns of phrase that are neat, but it's mostly just, like, insane babbling with no through line. I liked Children's um, Bones, and that was a different publication. So that was a different there's publication. There's nothing for me here. Well, maybe you just got to read Might is Right, Jamie, and learn about Antenna. Oh, my God. <laughs> And birthing organs. <laughs> yeah, I need to learn a thing or two. Now, it's possible that this new publishing career was very lucrative for Arthur. Some sources say he did well enough to buy a large ranch in Kalispell, Montana. He's said to have stocked it with game animals and entertained journalist friends of his there with hunting and shooting parties. This is probably a lie, because I've only found it in one source. But he might have gotten rich and bought a ranch in Montana. I really don't know. At the end of the 1800s, Arthur Desmond claimed to have fucked off to South Africa to fight in the Second Boer War. Mm-hmm. He claimed to have joined a regiment of light horse cavalry in Cape Town and to have fought in the vicious Battle of Pardeburg in February 1900. After that adventure, if it happened, he moved back to Chicago and lived for a time under the name Richard Thurland. In 1903, he published Might is Right, the newest edition of Survival of the Fittest with that title. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote another book, Rival Caesars, which flopped. And by 1904, he had been reduced to managing an ice cream and candy company. So <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if he went to fight in the second Boer War, but he definitely wound up managing an ice cream company. Okay. Best chapter of his life yet. <laughs> yep. Now, if you know one thing about Arthur Desmond, it's that whenever he was in an office building, he was running an illegal side business out of that office building that he wasn't supposed to be running. Sure. Uh, and true to form, while he was managing this ice cream company, he also ran an advertising business as a side hustle out of the office. In March of that year, Desmond got into trouble when a telephone inspector asked to inspect the office as part of a routine checkup. Arthur refused, possibly because he was running a side business out of the office that his employers were unaware of. The inspector called the police, and Desmond held them off for some hours with a rifle he had claimed to have captured during the Boer War. He was eventually assaulted, overpowered, subdued, and taken to the Cook County Jail to await trial. Thankfully for Desmond, a lifetime as a labor firebrand and organizer had turned him into a capable public speaker. He defended himself successfully in court and seems to have earned the sympathy of the jury enough that he was freed. Oh, wow. That never so, works. Yeah, it did back then. It was an easier time. Yeah. All right. Well, give now, him of the rest of his life, we know fairly little. We know he got married once to a woman like 20-something years his junior. They had a child, but she left him fairly quickly for reasons that are probably obvious. And probably she died just... at age 30. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she died of tuberculosis, right? That's what I'm no, saying. I'm, I was yeah, trying to find yeah. out more about the, this poor lady who he was yeah, just like, wow, 31. your antenna are looking mighty fine today, my inferior. And then she yeah. was like, yeah. I, I don't have trouble believing, like understanding why she would have left. Plug my ovum, daddy. Gross. I if you want to plug that. some ovum, <laughs> <laughs> check out the products and services that support this show. I regret and also everything. ovaries? Yeah, that yeah. was probably a bad line to go to ads on, but we can't, I, but here we we can't are. edit we can't, audio. We can't yeah. edit this. We legally nope. can't. Ovum! Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're talking about ovums and ads. Ovums st- and ads. Ovums. Behind the bastards. Oh, God. Ovums. That's feminist capitalism, baby. 
I love <laughs> opens and ads. <laughs> no, I can't participate. Okay. Arthur All right. Desmond. Arthur motherfucking Desmond. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, his first biographer, who was also his editor, claims that Desmond stayed mostly in the Chicago area for the rest of his life, publishing articles and journals intermittently, arguing with other anarchists, and republishing one last edition of Might is Right before his death in 1929 from a spontaneous cerebral hemorrhage that he had while stocking books at the bookstore where he worked. It was like a secondhand shop. Ugh. So he died of a stroke while putting books on a shelf. Mm-hmm. The author of Might is Right, the book of how warriors should rule the world. Um, very warriorly death. Um, now, that <laughs> said, there are other stories about how he died. Some sources will claim he died fighting in Mexico in 1914 or nope. in Palestine in 1918 or 1926. There are stories that he died in World War I. Uh, and for what it's worth, yeah, I think the likeliest version of events is that he ran a small bookstore as an old man and died in the late 1920s. Yeah, I believe yeah. the bookstore no really narrative. I, I hope that he was reading. I yeah. wonder if he was like paging through something deeply pathetic and then he just he just fucked off but forever this time. Yeah. Well, all right. Rest yeah. in power, yeah. King, you loser. Rest in power, King. Now, <laughs> while our buddy Desmond was dead and buried by 1929, his work has lived on, and it did not take long for his fevered writings to catch the imagination of another generation of political firebrand. Mm. In 1957, Anton LaVey, the father of modern Satanism, was walking down a street in San Francisco, California, when he came upon a rare bookstore. In the window was a particular tome that caught his eye, an old copy of Might is Right. Here's what LeVay wrote Whoa. about finding it. Okay. What I saw should not have been in print. It was more than inflammatory. It was sheer blasphemy. Obviously, McDonald hadn't even glanced within its pages, but figured the odd cover and title would remove it from the window. As I turned the pages, more blasphemy met my eyes. Crazy as it was, I found myself charged at the words. People just didn't write that way. There's a good reason for that, Anton. There, yeah. Now, many scholars will claim, with significant evidence, that Anton LaVey plagiarized huge chunks of Might is Right in order to write the Satanic Bible, which is his most well-known uh, piece, yeah. um, which he published in 1969. It's generally considered to be the most influential Satanic text. Uh, I'm going to quote now from Digital Commons. LeVay's plagiarism was extensive. To his credit, however, LeVay removed some of the more offensive passages, and there are no racist undertones in the Satanic Bible. So LeVay finds this book, likes the parts of it about hating Christianity and about like uh, some of the stuff about like the will to power, and just cuts out the anti-Semitism and the racism, and uh, basically reprints some of it almost word for word as the Satanic Bible. Huh. Okay. Um, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. aware that that was. I also yeah. that whole that whole narrative of just like and yeah, he'd never see, like I'd never seen something written like that before. I wonder why that is, but we never get yeah. to the second question. <laughs> I mean, part of it is that like I in a little bit of fairness to LeVay like in the 1950s you think about like how closed American society was and how like intolerant it was of any questioning of like Christianity of patriarchal value of like so anything that's like I, I imagine there was so few so so little like really radical text being written then that anything that didn't reinforce like the fucking madmen lying about how society ought to be was right. like intoxicating to a guy like LeVay and I suspect that's some of what's happening yeah oh, like, for sure if Anton LeVay had been born later he probably wouldn't have found this as influential because there would have been other shit to read I mean um, I'm glad that he at least cut out the, the shittiest yeah. parts <laughs> yeah but okay 
I would think twice if I was like found myself enthralled with a philosopher and was like, okay, well, I got to cut out pages of racism, but like, there's some there's some gold <laughs> in here. To be like, yeah. but he's pretty spot on with everything else. So yeah, weird that he. Felt I like that what way. he says about antenna and ovums. Yeah. Wait, did Levey keep the an- the 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 woman stuff? I, I don't know. Stuff, I didn't go I call deep in enough at it. But uh, LeVay did um, admit to basically plagiarizing Might is Right. And he actually wrote a foreword to a reprinting of Might is Right that uh, like is the edition I have. Wow. Quote, after spreading the gospel of Might is Right for over a decade came the official commission to write a satanic Bible. My agent and publisher wanted the material I had already printed in tract form with additional stuff to make up the Bible as quickly as possible. I was not a writer. Some will say I'm still not. But I had to draw from my inspirations what had to be said. Now, you may know that every single occult scholar I knew warned me against publishing the Anakian Call, saying that nobody touched upon them and it was doomed to even mention them. Okay, that was enough for me. And they went. <laughs> so it was with the selected passages from Might is Right, except I got no warnings because nobody had even heard of the damn book, especially Head in the Clouds Occultniks. It had inspired me, though, and that was enough. The copyright, even with renewal, would have recently expired, so it suddenly became part of the Satanic Bible, with myself and the publisher holding, in context, new copyrights on the portions employed. So he, like, brags about about plagiarizing it and copywriting than and just the getting stuff away with it yeah it just that, being like well yeah. yeah sure i stole it but i found a loophole i thought that sounds like a yeah. f- that sounds like a fun like indie comedy of like i'm not much of a writer but i've gotta write a bible and fast <laughs> like yeah. horrible <laughs> i'll just steal from this book yeah. i guess i'll just find this book by this incel racist yeah, I'm just. That'll I'm sorry. Make I'm looking. My Bible. I'm just looking yeah. at the Anton Lavey Google Images page. I've been here before, but it's always just newly shocking. Oh, it's pretty fun, right? Snake heavy. Yeah, he Snake was. Snake heavy. He, he had a style. You got to give him that. He was way ahead on branding. I respect a consistency of brand. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> Now, LeVay claims he only included the sections of Might is Right that he agreed with, because the rest of the work was filling with what he called glaring contradictions and was, at best, a rant. Both of those things are very accurate. He sought to preserve the things he found so inspiring in Desmond's book without including all of the bullshit. Quote, it is, despite my enthusiasm for the book, inaccurate to state that Might is Right was the inspiration for the Church of Satan. For the record, I was relatively young when I discovered it, but I had already indulged myself in the experience of reading every scrap of anarchist, nihilist, extremist and free thought esoterica I could encounter. A day hardly passes that I don't read a comment from someone who is astounded at how close his own thoughts come to the message of my satanic Bible. I find that interesting because he's basically saying that like a lot of the stuff in Might is Right I had thought of before as like a young dude on the fringes and like so much of Desmond's writing sounds like shit I've seen kids on 8chan type who I know hadn't like read that shit or kids on 4chan or read it. Like there's a certain degree to which like frustrated young male minds think alike. Right. Um, and like, that's kind of what might is right is, is it's like the worst parts of the male id published by a low rent poet and former labor organizer. Ugh. That's how I would describe the book. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Wow. I mean, I love when two Kings collaborate. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, there there is something primal about, I think, the young male psyche that Desmond was able to reach at times. And that's why Anton LaVey found it so compelling and why he cut out bits of Desmond's philosophy to write the Satanic Bible, which was also like magnetic to a chunk of young men. But, uh, you know, someone like LaVey was clearly strong headed enough that like he didn't imbibe all of the toxicity from Might is Right. Other people are more vulnerable, and this brings us back to the Gilroy garlic shooter, Santino Legan. 
We don't know how or where he first came across Might is Right. The book is available for free online, and I ran into it numerous times over the last year in posts filled with suggested reading material on 8chan's poll board. They would include links to this one regularly. Mm. It was not the most popular tome of white supremacist reading, but it was certainly prominent, and it's only grown more so in recent months. In my research, I found the website for a very dumb group called The Redbeard Right, purporting to be an organization of white nationalists adhering to the ideas and ideals of Arthur Desmond. From that website, quote, This is a far-right website, and unapologetically so. However, this site has nothing to do with national socialism. This website is not for basic bitch Hitler fangoys. We are white nationalists, but not alt-right. We are the real right. Our ideal is not some kind of socialism without brown people. We are pragmatic realists. We embrace the nature of man and of life itself. We recognize man for the aware beast that he is, and have no desire to domesticate him into docility. We seek to deal with the reality on its own terms. We have no interest in bewitching ourselves with fanciful will-o'-wisp utopias. We are the red-beard right. We do not indiscriminately concern ourselves with just any white person's well-being. We instead reserve our concern for the well-being of those Europeans we feel worth preserving a future for. So there we go. That's a great uh, sir, this is a Wendy's The red moment. beard right. Yeah. yeah. The red beard right. I mean the thing that I that strikes me about all this Arthur Desmond stuff is it does sound like he was able to connect with that like young angry like yes. repressed masculine thing but it, it doesn't seem even that particularly strategic it just seems like that was he was stuck there as opposed to yeah. like LaVey kind of more strategically pulling out stuff with a specific goal but it's to me like especially as his career goes on it's unclear to me what like Arthur Desmond's real goal was other than to be like thought of as a fucking cool guy and it's I yeah which I think is why people are like so fluid in their ideology sometimes when they're just like I just want someone to think I'm like smart and cool and if you don't think I'm cool in the labor unions I'm fucking right off you know and yeah ugh, I, I, and I think anger person. is the core of where what Desmond did like that was yeah. the, the heart of it and that's why it's so electrifying to a lot of young men because like there's this core of anger that like particularly young men often don't learn how to deal with right and might is right kind of speaks to that in a very primal way and, um, and doesn't and challenge think, any of it and it doesn't really require no, no, no. that you do any introspect oh boy no it just requires that you do a lot of push-ups so that you can punch people yeah <laughs> now in the wake of Santino Legan's shooting spree, the Redbeard Wright was forced to directly address what had happened because research revealed that the gunman had shared a Facebook post made by the group. Okay. Now, the post included a bunch of quotes from Redbeard's work, but it also included an image macro with a picture of a Viking that said, Dear Conquered Peoples, the history of humanity is one of constant conflict and competition for resources like land, food, water, and women. You whine about the fact that Europeans were and are better at this contest than any other culture in the world. You losers want us to regret being better at conquest and exploration than you were. You want apologies and reparations from people who were smarter and stronger than you, people who unequivocally won. We are not sorry. We owe you nothing. Deal with it. Deal so, with it, comma. Deal with it. Yeah. Oh, now, this obviously looked bad for the Redbeard right. No um, kidding. Not, yeah. So one member of the group posting under the misspelled username Redbeard <laughs> posted this. We at the Redbeard Right do not disavow his actions, but we are not responsible for the actions of those who read our posts. We do not encourage our readers to commit violence. We do not condone what he did. His actions contributed nothing to our cause of white well-being. His actions were strategically stupid. So, yeah, it's uh, the fun guys. 
Cool. Now, a bit of digging made it clear that Redbeard is James Theodore Stillwell III, which is absolutely the name of a guy who creates a website dedicated to the Redbeard right. The Redbeard right, He yeah. calls himself a rogue philosopher, which is the most... No. Yeah, that's the most punchable thing you can Sounds call Sounds like a yourself. terrible YouTube channel. I think I would... Ha- I would have to fist fight someone who introduced themselves as a rogue philosopher. A bit of a rogue philosopher. Like, that would that's my might is right. <laughs> I'm gonna write a book just about punching people like this guy. Yeah, just list um, of people now, I'd like to James punch. James Theodore Stillwell the <laughs> third. Yeah. He lives in Keene, New Hampshire, where he writes books like Power Nihilism, A Case for Moral and Literal Nihilism. Okay. Well, he portrays himself as some sort of neo-Viking warrior skeptic. My guess is that he will probably wind up living as a low-end bookseller and dying alone of a stroke like his idol. As for Santino Legan, the Gilroy shooter, he proved to be distinctly less mighty than the Gilroy police, who shot him repeatedly with one minute of opening fire. Most mass shooters these days tend to have some sort of political message they're trying to get out, and Santino was no exception. He created an Instagram account just a few days before the shooting and posted about Ragnar Redbeard's Might is Right. It's clear to me that he hoped people would be inspired by his shooting to read the book. Law enforcement combed through Santino's home after the attack, and they seem to have been baffled by what they found there. The Los Angeles Times quoted John Bennett, the FBI agent in charge of the investigation. Among the information we are collecting, there is conflicting literature, everything from left to right. So, Bennett said, investigators do not feel they can put this person in a box. I wouldn't say it was extreme views. It is writings and books that we have found through some of the search warrants. We are trying to go through all the literature and make sense of it. Now, to me, this suggests that Santino himself went through an ideological evolution not unlike that of Arthur Desmond, flirting with the most extreme elements of left and right-wing political theory before settling with violent, egoistic nihilism. According to some reports, one of Santino's victims at the festival was heard to ask him, why are you doing this? To which the 19-year-old allegedly responded, because I'm really angry. And I think that right there gets yeah. at the core of why Arthur Desmond did what he did and what was in like and because why it's I'm really so appealing. Angry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, that's awful. That's so brutal. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there, there's that, Robert. Was there's oh jeez. Yeah. You have fun with this one? Uh, you know, it started kind of fun. I liked the poetry parts. I love dunking. Yeah, the poetry parts was fun. I love dunking on a shitty poet. Yeah. God, I mean, it is I, it is troub- yeah. troubling that, like, I mean, yeah, just when, that something this angry, that, and it's just, like, so clear how, like, impotent it comes off and the fact that, you know, it's still, it's still appealing to equally um, angry people. It's a sad yeah. takeaway. It really is because it sounds like Arthur Desmond was like a real kind of like a sad, pathetic person himself, um, and is inspiring sad, pathetic people to this day. It just is. It's, ugh. And the saddest thing about it to me is that like Desmond, there was clearly a point at which he could have done good for the world. Like exactly. he started out with really good intentions. Like you get a lot of credit for me if you're the only person the only white dude in town willing to stand up for an indigenous person and their right to like exist in your community and stuff like, and it's just like that, like that's the big question is like, why, why do some men who wind up in kind of the similar situations where they're sort of pushing against the social tide, stay true to their moral compass and like, you know, fight for what they see as justice. And why do some men like, like Desmond, 
become consumed by their anger and leave their idealism behind and just turned into these this sort of like shitty asshole nihilist by like, like it, yeah like, just like, like an like, ego driven like it it, is, it yeah. does seem like an ego problem if you do, if if you feel it's all like, ego yeah like it the the like his like left leaning political um I guess you could call it a career, but like early on when he was still doing cool stuff, it, it sounds like he just didn't get the like payoff of that that he wanted, which just puts in the expectation that he was always expecting something from doing this. And if he didn't get what he wanted, then why do it? It just, it's just, I mean, it's all very bleak to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he, um, he wanted, I think you are right that like he wanted recognition out of his activism. He wanted yeah. to win and he wanted to be recognized for his importance in the struggle. And when it became clear that like, no dude, like turning around the, the kind of weight of in human injustice that is like th this inertia in our culture that like leads to such like a, an oppressed underclass of laborers, turning that around isn't the work of one person. It's the work of millions of people over the yeah. course of decades and really centuries. If we're like being realistic about it. And that doesn't mean it's not valuable but like a guy like him i think was too narcissistic to yeah. accept that and, and so when he realized yeah he just he bails on. halfway through exactly and gives up on his principles it's sad i mean and i do think that there are like other examples of that in the in tons this, of them yeah just like people who start with being really into leftist yeah. politics who who just sort of sour for d various narcissistic reasons. It's a story you see Jason Kessler, the guy who organized the bloody Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Yeah. Uh, his first big political like action was taking part in Occupy Wall Street. Um, and mm. if you go into the Discord archives that Unicorn Riot has posted of those like fascist groups that planned those those early 2017 rallies, mm -hmm. and you just type in the term Occupy, a whole bunch of them got their start with Occupy Wall Street and sort of like liberal and left-wing activism. And then they realize like that shit's hard because you're fighting against social inertia. Um, and yeah. so they turn to this kind of violent, nihilistic, toxic bullshit because um, it's easier. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's less challenging and uh, there's more direct ego-based reward, I guess. It's just, oh, God. Because I'm really angry. Because I'm really angry really does sum it all up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Well, well you want to well, plug your pluggables, Jamie? Yeah, this feels, this. it always, it, it is, <laughs> it never feels right. <laughs> um, uh, I love a good pluggable. All right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on Twitter.com at Jamie Loftus Help and uh, Instagram at Jamie Christ Superstar. You can listen to the Bechtel cast every Thursday. And yeah, that's that's what all pluggables. That's all your pluggables. Yeah. Well, uh, you can find me at I Write Okay on Twitter. Um, if you want to find a political philosopher who w was not a, a violent nihilist uh, and not anti-woman, maybe read some Murray Bookchin. Uh, you can find this podcast sources at BehindTheBastards.com. You can find uh, shirts on Tee Public Behind the Bastards. And you can find love inside your heart where it dwells in the hearts of us all. Where, uh, wherever it remains. Seek it out. Where it remains. And let leopards crush your children's bones. Um, or whatever, whatever that line was. Yeah. <laughs> leopards! Leopards! Robert, you're going to plug Worst Year Ever or no? Oh, yeah. We have a podcast called The Worst Year Ever. It's about the 2020 election. 
uh, speaking of being pushed into violent nihilism. <laughs> Hard sell. Hard sell. I'm not good at selling things. <laughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.